If you're passionate about property investing or thinking about buying your first investment property, then the Property Success Podcast is for you. It's full of tips, tricks, strategies, special guests and personal development secrets to help you have a better lifestyle, more freedom and more choice. Okay, Brian, um, welcome to uh, this episode of Property Success Podcast. Obviously, we've known each other for a few years now uh, on both the business and the personal um, level. Uh, you know, you've coached myself and Mary, you've helped us build a business, um, but we're not here to talk about me, we're here to talk about you. So can, can you give us a little bit about your background, Brian, for those people that are listening in that haven't met you before? Absolutely, Chris. First of all, I want to say thank you very much for inviting me on your uh, podcast. I think it's fantastic. Um, so my name is Brian Muldoon, and um, I have uh, a few things that I'm known for. One is obviously coaching, as you just mentioned. Um, I have a lot of experience, both personally and business, some good, some not so good, but I've been able to acquire some skills and knowledge that's uh, enabled me to be able to be a good resource for other people in, in both respects in their personal life and their business life. And so uh, on the business side of things, uh, you know, I've been in property investment, but today I primarily help businesses find ways to grow in particular uh, through sales and marketing and really leveraging their online uh, uh, capabilities. Uh, a lot of uh, businesses are, sort of still have this idea that a website is just a place to go and get your, uh, you know, contact information, but it's actually so much more than that. So we've done a lot of online marketing as well. Good stuff. Good stuff. So you, you live in Northern Ireland now, um, but you don't have a Northern Ireland accent. So uh, can you explain that for us, please? Absolutely. Um, so I'm originally from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, which is in the west part of the country. And as you know, Canada's a pretty big place. So uh, a fair few miles from here. But uh, my wife, Janice, um, she was born in Northern Ireland in, in Belfast, in fact, uh, on Templemore Avenue. And um, so uh, she, um, her parents immigrated. And of course, eventually her and I met. And, and coming to, uh, you know, Ireland was always uh, on my bucket list, you know, with the name like Muldoon, I think you can <laughs> get the idea that that's, you know, there's quite a strong connection there. And, you know, my mom was born in Glasgow. And so, you know, there's quite a strong connection. And so I always had this deep desire to come here and experience it. And so we did when we got married in 2000 as uh, for our honeymoon. And uh, for me, it, it sounds strange, but I felt like I'd come home. It was as though the minute that I landed here, I knew that this was where I, where I was meant to be. And so um, it, we finally made the, the decision to come over in 2012 after having done, you know, run our own businesses. We'd, we'd gone through the property crash, but through that, you know, we'd started another business and you know, like everyone, you know, we were, we were chasing the money and chasing the bigger house and the bigger cars and all these sort of things and kind of got to a point where we thought, well, like, does this ever end? Like, isn't there something more? And so that's when the idea of coming to Northern Ireland really started to appeal to us because 
it is such a beautiful country um, surrounded by the big blue sea uh, lots of great places to go some wonderful people and um, so we just decided let's let's give it a go and so that's how we ended up in or that's how i ended up in northern ireland yeah good stuff um and I, obviously i would know this but uh, you've got a bit of a background in property stroke real estate stroke refurbishing property when when you were in canada and then again when you when you came over here yeah so um you know many many years ago i think it was around 2004 2005 something like that i had you know uh, uh i was working for coca-cola in different roles from sales to uh you know equipment placement all sorts of stuff and um, you know, that, again, for me, I could just sort of see, you know, that was going to be a 25-year career or whatever it was going to be, a pension, and it just seemed far too predictable for me. You know, for many people, it's a great thing, but for me, it just wasn't going to work. And so um, I decided to go out on my own. I had some experience with, you know, just doing different bits and pieces, started out as a handyman. So going around doing fences and, you know, painting houses and fixing basic plumbing and electrical and things like that, um, which I'd, I'd had previous experience in and learned about. And um, so I just started running ads in the paper and that eventually turned into a legitimate renovation business within a couple of years. So I went from, you know, just this little handyman to eventually selling the company two and a half years later uh, with, you know, $650,000 worth of work on the book. So, um, you know, I, I just didn't want to do renovations for people anymore because, yeah. you know, like, understandably, you know, they have this expectation about what a renovation is going to be like, but the truth is it's, it gets pretty dusty and dirty and it's frustrating for people. And so um, my wife, Janice, she got into uh, real estate. She'd owned, uh, had been, well, and was a, a salon owner at the time. She had her own hair salon that she'd been operating for 10 years, but she wanted to change. So she got into real estate. It's very different over there because realtors carry a lot more responsibility. They almost have to really understand all the legal aspects and everything like that. So when they're getting people to sign, they're literally uh, responsible legally so there's a much higher dividend paid for realtors over there than say estate agents here who really just kind of show the home and negotiate the deal. They do all of that. Plus they have to take care of all the paperwork and make sure that everything is, is in accordance and in compliance. So um, Janice and I thought, well, what if we got into property development? In other words, we buy the house, I do the work, and then she takes the the real estate commissions that she would get paid and just puts that on the back end to pay the realtor who's selling the house for us through her so um that so basically what what it meant was we were, we were not paying any transaction fees we were keeping that in the profit of the homes that we were doing and so yeah we i sold my construction company and we just started doing flips you know just buying properties and uh renovating them and selling them on and we, we found that many people were doing them, but what we were doing was staging them. And so we, when we have, whenever we got a home, we always thought about who that home would be for. And so we really styled the homes to reflect that. So when that ideal 
buyer came in, they immediately were seeing themselves living in it. And so we, we, were, we found that we were able to not only sell our properties quickly, but we were making a good profit because people were willing to pay a little bit more for them. Good stuff. And, and again, I know this, that when you came to, to Bangor, you carried on, um, maybe not deliberately, but you, you, the house you moved into, so you lived in it while you were renovating it, and then yeah. you sold it on and moved on. And yeah, so I've been so, looking at that a few times. Yeah, so when we first came here, we said, well, why don't we, you know, because the, 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 there had been the crash, of course, and, and, you know, that took us out. Uh, in terms of that, because nobody was buying and, you know, interest rates and all sorts of banks weren't lending. And it was, you know, it was the same thing as what's happening here. People were losing properties and the bank had all this inventory. And so it just wasn't a good time to be flipping houses, buying and flipping houses. So when we decided to come to Northern Ireland, we said, well, why don't we try our hand at doing a house over there? Because you know, we were coming initially for eight months just to give it a try. We'd given ourselves an eight-month window to come over, get settled in, get a lay of the land, and in the meantime, flip a house with the view of clawing back the money we would be using uh, to live while we were here. So worst case scenario, if we didn't like it, go home, break even, well, you know, yeah. hey, we got to spend eight months over there. And you tried. Um, yeah, and here we are eight years later. So <laughs> we ended up staying on. But yes, yeah, so we bought our first house. And of course, you know, timber homes mainly, you know, with the exception of older cities like New York and stuff. I mean, most, many of the houses over there are just, they're just timber and, and uh, you know, plasterboard, right? Yeah. And so um, this was a whole new experience when we talked about, you know, putting beams in to open up rooms and different things like that. So you know, it just came in and got a guy to help me out and, uh, you know, who, who understood some of the specs and what you needed. And then, you know, got the council, the building control to come out and inspect and pass everything and, you know, got little drawings and renderings that they needed to prove that, you know, we were following building regulations. And so it was a really good learning experience, but it was interesting living in the house in one room, yeah. <laughs> this house that was like full of damp. And then we took it right back to the brick. In fact, I remember a guy coming in, a chap, and he and he said to me, "Where's the matches?" <laughs> you know, the, the place was desperate, but we ended up turning it in, transforming it into a beautiful place. We actually made twenty-five grand on it in in a recession, so that was pretty good. So I suppose that leads me on to my my. So uh, next question, what's the difference between investing or flipping properties in Canada than here? I think the big thing is because the property, many of the properties that need refurb are often older and, uh, you know, they have all these deeds and titles and things that, you know, date back to, you know, the 1800s that um, Canada is not that well. I mean, it's 150 years old, but um, what they, they don't, they basically, there's certain things that they're like, look, this doesn't apply anymore. The other thing over there is when you buy the property, you're buying the land as well. Uh, whereas here, you're not necessarily buying the land in a lot of cases, you're buying the, the lease. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you have it for 999 years or 700 or whatever it is. And uh, so that's one of the major differences. But that said, 
Um, it takes a lot longer to get a deal done here than it does over there. For example, the last flip that we did, we uh, put it on the market and had it had a deal done and had exchanged contracts and the money was in our bank and the new buyer had the keys and was moving in 13 days later. Wow. So um, it was a cash buyer. It was there, no, I think he had a mortgage, but it was done. The bank approved it. So um, there, they like to move paper. They like to get deals done quick and fast. So provided, you know, the lawyer goes through all the contracts. Yeah, that's all good. That's all good. The deposits in home inspection's been done. Um, you know, the home inspection, like you get, you get everything like later that day, you know, there's, it's just everything, uh, you know, and if you call your solicitor and say, I need this deal done in two weeks, they'll go, well, just get everything over. And, um, you know, it's, it's just done. So that, that's a big difference. That part of it, I still don't even get today. I don't understand why it's sort of the Pony Express. Yeah. I call it, you know, it's I, like, I know, I know some things are changing, but, uh, you know, I suppose the thing is why not get it done in two weeks instead of six or eight weeks? I, I don't, I don't understand that myself, but I mean, I understand the fact that some of the bits and pieces, especially in Northern Ireland, take a couple of weeks to get the searches, some certificates, et cetera. But at the end of the day, if all that stuff was online, why could we not just get houses done and dusted or house sales done and dusted inside a couple of weeks is, is beyond me, but maybe. Well, that's, that's it. Like with, uh, like, for example, when Janice was doing real estate, she would have access to land registry so she could pull title, pull the deeds, everything. And that again, you know, why they were paid a little bit more because they had more responsibility, but, um, she was in a position where she could really move things along because everything was accessible because it was online. Um, and, you know, as a realtor, you know, she's following a code of ethics and everything like that. So there, you know, everything is done with integrity, credibility, and honesty, and it is legally enforceable. So you can't just, you know, you have to, you have to be very careful about how you're, you know, sharing documents and things like that, but that's all set up so that you can really expedite deals quicker. I suppose in Canada, as a real estate agent, they're kind of doing some of the work of a of a solicitor or, or the solicitor. Yeah, really, the solicitor, all the solicitor's doing, and not to undermine it, and just saying in this particular case, is they're just checking over everything that's been done. Yeah. And then they're waiting just on the conveyancing and different things like that. They put their stamp on it. The buyers and the sellers come into their, their respective solicitors. They sign. They go the other side sign, they send that through to the bank and the bank immediately releases the funds. Yeah, I mean, here sometimes I've heard like, you know, you have to request the funds to be released from the bank. That probably takes a day and then it maybe takes them four or five days. So by the time you put that in terms of business days, that's over a week just to request money and get the money through, which, you know. Yeah, you still have to request the money there, but it does move a little bit faster. I think um you know with with what you were saying there is uh you know with with being able to try and move things along faster um yeah i just i just think that uh i th things are definitely changing here for the better there's no doubt about it you know, um but there is still i think that there i i think as they start to take some of these documents and maybe move them into a digital form where you're not, you know, they're not having to, like I call it the Pony Express, yeah. go over, get the, the, the actual deeds and titles, 
put them into your sack, get on your horse and, yeah. you know, get them back to the other solicitor. Because at that, I call it the Pony Express because that can seem to take so long or we're still waiting on. Yeah, well, where's, where's my title dates? Oh, the postman's got them. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, yeah, yeah, not a solicitor or not the land registry, but the postman, yeah. he's delivering them by hand. Um, yeah. So, so Brian, you, you're, you're, you're kind of in property at the minute. You're not totally out of property. Um, you're still, you would buy something if, if the opportunities came along. But um, over the last few years, uh, yourself and Janice have been, as you mentioned earlier, coaching, business coaching, personal coaching, and helping people build online businesses. Um, t tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that, uh, you know, we, while doing the property, we realized that, you know, we, one of the things that I always wanted to do, like, because we did coaching, uh, well, more consulting in Canada before we came over, you know, we, we helped build some other businesses with some people, uh, including one with my brother, which was really, you know, had a lot of success um, in the beginning. And so, we, we were doing some consulting, people were coming to us. And, and so we said, well, what if we started to tap into that over here and help businesses who are struggling through the recession, um, you know, where people are not wanting to spend money, how can we help businesses and individuals bring value to the marketplace and help them, you know, because they're like, everybody was saying, you know, uh, people won't pay it, people won't pay it. Oh, they wouldn't pay it, you know, and I had a really hard time believing that and um, so, you know, I just tested out a few things um, with people who believed that and, um, you know, looked at things like copy and, you know, direct mail outs and things like that. And we said, well, why don't we change this? And why don't we put this offer with this offer? And, you know, and suddenly they were getting sales. And so that was, that was the consulting side of it here. And then, um, you know, obviously, like I said earlier, you know, I would look at someone's website, for example, and I would say, like, what are you, what are you doing with your website? And, you know, maybe a business owner or an individual, a coach, an expert, a consultant, a you know, financial advisor, you know, they would say, well, I'm not sure what you mean. We have a website and what's it doing for you? You know, and they would say, well, it's there. You know, I mean, we yeah. spent three grand. It looks really good. And, and I would ask the question again, but how are you monetizing it? How's it generating leads? And, revenues for you and so you know they they just weren't aware because a lot of people just believe that uh, that a website was just something you needed to have like a facebook page well i think i think it really all it is for most people is a contact page it's yeah somewhere you go and it says the business name maybe what they do and how you get in touch there maybe their their business name their address and their phone number apart from that a lot of business uh, websites don't do much else yeah, you're exactly right, Chris. And, you know, and it's even more important now, you know, given the time that this is being recorded, which is May 7th or 8th, I think, or is the 8th today, uh, yeah. 2020, we're in lockdown, you know, and uh, we are going to come out and be operating a different world. You know, I mean, organizations, brick and mortar businesses, individuals, you know, who are maybe looking at expanding are actually saying, that, you know what? It probably makes more sense to say to people, how would you like to be a subcontractor to us? You know, we wouldn't be paying your benefits and different things like that, but you know, you can work from home. You don't, you know, uh, 
uh, you know, whether the, the benefits and all that would come into it, who knows, but what I am seeing is that, that businesses are going to leverage online more. So because people are staying at home, because we're having to look at distancing for, you know, the short term future anyway, to maybe a, a midterm future, who knows how that's going to work out in terms of distancing. But now is the time, for example, for businesses to really start using their website as a way to educate their buyers, to send, uh, you know, cold traffic to prospective buyers, where they have that opportunity to get a name and, a, and an email to make an offer to book a consultation and have a call, you know, a Zoom call or a phone call. Um, so these sort of things are going to become really paramount going forward. Your web presence. Yeah, no, I, I would I would agree. I mean, you mentioned there we're obviously in the middle of lockdown. We've uh, just heard that we're facing another three weeks um, in lockdown plus whatever's left of the current lockdown period. Um, you know, so probably another three and a half weeks to go before we hear, you know, if there's any chance of, of getting out the other side or how soon. Um, what is that? What what has that meant for your business? Have, have you had to change anything recently during the, the lockdown? Well, you know, actually, it's turned out to be a good thing. I mean, initially, it was, you know, we were like every like most people who own businesses, or are, you know, sole traders, or, you know, freelancers. Um, we thought, oh, my gosh, is this is this the end? Are we gonna have to go back and start over again? Um, but as it turns out, you know, as I mentioned, you know, people now are starting to, and companies and businesses, uh, retailers are starting to look at the power of online trading and um, engagement. And so people have started reaching out to us and we're saying, you know, I've been thinking about creating uh, an online course or I've been thinking about making my products available online. Um, and, you know, I'm, but I'm not sure how to do that. Uh, but you know, you know, we know that you're you're the people in terms of writing copy, getting your message together so that it resonates and gets across you know, with all the other noise and competition that's going on out there, and to uh, you know really be able to have that follow up in place for when people maybe who aren't ready uh, to buy today, you know, you can continue to follow up with them and build that relationship over the long term. And so um, it's actually turned out really well. And so you know we're we just had to become resourceful. You know, we couldn't just sort of sit back and wait for the government to figure it out. We had to say, well, what can we do in our business? So prior to that, you know, we were being hired more on consulting basis. You know, we, for example, you know, worked with you and Mary in building Property Success University and, you know, uh, and the rest of our clients around the world. And so we were sort of the cobbler with the bad shoe. You know, we we now you know now we've really put all of our energy into building our online side of the business, and it's really exciting because we've had partners now reach out to us <clears throat> to say, you know, hey, if you can get this going in our business, can we do a profit share? You know, you take a percentage of the sales, and we'll pay you to set things up, and you know, but have skin in the game. So it's actually worked out really well for us, um, and I, I think we'll we'll continue to see a lot of positive growth going forward so yeah no i think that's going to be the same for a lot of people it's almost this will be a turning point for some people yeah all of a sudden they, they faced a lot of uncertainty but 
actually there'll probably be more certainty comes out of the, the, the uncertainty that, that appeared when the lockdown um, and, and this pandemic kicked well, that's, in. I mean, I think that's where the coaching really ties in well with it because within every organization, within every company, within every business, no matter what it is in any sector, it, there's people at the heart of it. Yeah. And so there's a lot of, especially now, you know, there's a lot of emotion that is really operating at such a high level. And so we have that skill and that ability to help people keep their, uh, you know, their mental game in check and to be able to figure out how to go from a state of panic to uh, a state of resourcefulness and being able to step out of it emotionally and sort of look at it logically and say, what can I do now? Who do I need to call? Who can I get in touch with? You know, what can I start to do to get my business moving forward so that as we do come out of this, I do have a stronger presence than I had coming into it. And then to be able to give them that support and keep them on track, keep them on point, keep them accountable so that they get things done that they need to get done. And ultimately, like I said, start to see wins happening, starting to see light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, I mean, I could give my personal opinion on this next um, point, but but uh, I'd prefer to ask you, how important do you think it is that people get themselves a coach, whether it's business, whether it's in property, uh, whether it's just personal, um, you know, getting help with your personal development, your mindset, your sort of thoughts. How important is it that people get themselves a, a coach? Well, you know, I mean, I think to really quickly summarize it is, you know, Tony Robbins puts it best, you know, uh, success is 80% psychology, or um, 80% psychology and 20% mechanics, you know, so, you know, what we, you know, what we think about what we dwell upon, we get more of, you know, if we're in a state of fear and panic, and that's all we're thinking about is, you know, am I going to get taken out? then you're operating from that place. You're trying to figure out how to survive rather than thrive. And the thing is with your mindset, you have the option to be in both states. You can either have a survival mentality or you can have a, a thriving mentality. And the difference between the two is the level of, you know, the, the level of where your psychology is at. You know, do you have the skills and that emotional, uh, capability that you need in order to remain strong, to have grace while you're under pressure, to be able to pro uh, solve problems rather than focus on them. Yeah. And this is where coaching can really help you. Um, and investing in that is one of the smartest things that you can do. We get a lot of people, you know, we talk about the fear mentality, they, they would go, I, there's no way I could afford a coach right now. Uh, I'm, I'm in lockdown. But the truth is, there are millions of people out there making an investment into group coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching, mastermind groups. You know, Chris, you and I are, are in, a, in, a, in a mastermind group, you know. Um, and uh, these things help us uh, keep focused, keep positive. Like I said, keep on track. There's accountability there. And so a lot of good things can come out of it. But you have to commit. If you're operating from a place of fear, then you're going to get more of that. If you're saying, I'm going, to, I'm going to get somebody in my corner who's going to help me with my business, they're going to help me with my relationships, they're going to help me uh, tap into the best, into my best self. And I just finally want to end that by saying a lot of people 
have this idea of like, well, why do I need to get someone to help me figure out my life? I should be able to figure that out myself. Well, I would just share this with you. You know, the mind wants to interrupt your life with problems. It wants you to focus on all the things you don't have, all the things that didn't go wrong, all the things that may go wrong and not work out. When you have someone there that can get you out of that state and help you pull away the filters, the blind spots that you're not seeing right now, that are the potential and the possibility and the opportunity that's out there for you, it's a game changer, but you've got to get the right people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would thoroughly recommend a coach. I mean, from, from your own point of view, you'd mentioned there you helped us build our property success university business, which has then sort of moved forward and we've added on this property success podcast. But even from a personal coaching point of view, you've helped myself and Mary um, uh, over the last number of years, especially Mary, I suppose, because Mary had worked for so long for 27 years. Uh, I've been out of the, the, the sort of work environment for longer. And I think Mary found that a bit harder. So I would definitely thoroughly uh, recommend getting a coach because you know, I've, I've said before that, um, you know, the best athletes always have a coach. Um, and, and why should we be any different as, as, as the best people or the best business people? You know, it's highly recommended. Um, such, a, such a great point that you make there, Chris, because you could ask that question. Someone might say, well, why do I need a coach? I can figure out my life. Well, then if that were the case, then shouldn't you be able to get a gold medal without support? without yeah. trainers that are there to coach you on your nutrition, to coach you on your exercise regime, to coach you on your, your, how to up your time, to get that extra second, how to lose that quarter of a pound, you know, how to, you know, all these sort of things. And, and, and then that, that one coach who's sort of at the top of that, a hierarchy of people who uh, help individuals, uh, you know, perform at their best, you know, I mean, it's that coach that they trust, who really understands them, really gets how they work, and knows how to take those bits and make them perform even better. Uh, and that's really understanding psychology and emotion and bringing those together and turning them into power. Exactly. And I mean, you, you need a coach because a coach will drive you on to those small, those extra little bits that make the difference between you being, say, good and being extraordinary or being outstanding. You know, there's not a lot of difference between being maybe excellent and being outstanding, but it's just that small bit. As Tony Robbins says, you know, that it's the, if you're doing a, a, like 10 push-ups, it's number 11 that will have a number 12 that will have the, the biggest influence on you. Yeah. Sometimes you don't see that. So you need you need a coach or like a PT instructor, somebody around you to help drive you on. Um, well, if you look at a football manager, for example, everyone can relate to rugby or football or something like that. Are those managers the best players in the league? No, some of them may not even play. They're just really tactical. They know how to bring the best out of people. But like I said, you know, some of the managers like we know, like Redknapp and stuff like that, you know, are they the best players of all time? You know, yeah. most of them aren't. But well, I, I mean, another two, Jose Mourinho and exactly. who won, I don't know, seven, eight Premier League titles between them and probably two of the most successful managers 
in Premier League history, aside from Alex Ferguson. None of the two of them played football to any great standard, you know, but become really top coaches because they knew what it took to, to sort of influence people from a psychological point of view. Yeah, exactly. And they know how to bring all those resources together and get them firing uh, at their, you know, just at their highest level. Okay, thanks, Brian. You'd mentioned there Tony Robbins. Is Tony Robbins somebody that would inspire you? Absolutely, uh, hands down. Anyone else? Um, you know, I think that like Eckhart Tolle, you know, more on the sort of meditative mindfulness side, um, you know, he's sort of the power of now. He's really been instrumental in helping me be present in my daily life. When I talked earlier about the mind wanting to race off and go find something to worry about, um, he's been really helpful with that. Um, I think people like Paul McKenna, you know, um, change your life in seven days. Yeah. yeah, you know, get the life you want. Him and like Richard Bandler, whereas NL that that's all NLP based neuro linguistic programming. So again, it's it's influencing your subconscious thoughts because, like I said earlier, what we dwell upon, we get more of. And um, some who, people. Sorry, Brian. Who would you say was your biggest influence in the sort of personal development journey that you've gone through over yeah. the last? 25 years hands down it's tony robbins and um you know i know for some some people you know just think he's a weird guy with big teeth big <laughs> guy with big teeth but um you know i first uh, really i'd heard of tony robbins and and, and one, one time I, that's what i thought i thought who is this guy you know yeah. uh big shiny white teeth and slick black hair in the early 90s or the 80s or whatever it was and um we went to a business mastery. Uh, we flew to it in London, myself and my brother. And um, that's when I was, when I saw him and I saw him work with people in the room who had this idea that they, they couldn't, they've tried to grow their business and they couldn't. And no, you don't understand, Tony, I've tried everything. And then you just watched how his, his mastery of how he was able to take questions and mix it with emotion and get people into states and out of states like by the end of it you know they were like uh like just completely on fire and ready to go but it wasn't like rah 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 yeah it was like he helped them get clarity because they were looking at their business in one dimension and he helped them just open it up and see it completely different so of course as participants it was happening for everyone and my brother and I were writing down all these ideas. Oh, we got to fix this. We got to do that. And um, so then I just went on and I wanted to figure out like, how do you get the kind of skill like a guy like that has? And that's where I started to realize that he has these six human needs that he follows, um, which are needs that we all meet. These are needs that are, they're not optional, they're mandatory. You know, the first four needs we try and meet on a daily basis, which is the need for certainty, you know, that we're going to be okay, we're going to be able to take care of ourselves, the certainty that we're enough that we can live our best lives. And then the next is variety, right? That, you know, variety is the spice of life. We want to go out and have new experiences and new adventures. We don't want to eat the same food every day, no matter how much we love it. We're going to get tired of it. So we love variety. Um, connection and love, you know, we all need to feel... Uh, like, you know, we, we, we're, we're loved and appreciated. And if, if we can't be in a relationship like that, we can at least have connection with people. 
you know, we're seeing that even in this lockdown more so than ever, we're coming together as people because it's who we are at our essence. And then significance, you know, everybody wants to feel like they, they matter, you know, that they're enough, that people value them. So these are needs that we try to meet on a regular basis. And if you think about these things in your own personal relationships, you know, we all want to feel like our partners love us. We all want to feel like our kids appreciate us and love us. Um, you know, we all want to do well in our jobs and our careers so that we get the accolades and the rewards that make us feel significance and, and give us the certainty that we're doing, we're leading our best lives, right? And the variety of holidays that come as a result of that hard work and stuff like that. So, and then there's growth and contribution, which are really the last two needs that, that Tony taught, uh, teaches all of us about, which are uh, growth and contribution that what isn't growing is, is, is dying. And that as human beings, if you're frustrated with your life, if you're pissed off and angry, I'll guarantee you, you're not growing. You need to have a breakthrough. You need to, uh, you need to level up your life because you'll start to feel better about who you are and how you're feeling about yourself because you'll be moving. And, you know, emotion is motion. And the final one is contribution is that you get to a place where you start to give back. You start to give of yourself. You give to your children. You give to your community. You give to the people who have helped you out, you know. And so that's kind of the six human needs there, which made a, made a huge impact on me. And that's part of my coaching as well. Yeah, good stuff, Brian. And, and, and I mean, from the point of view of the human needs, I think sometimes people tend to focus too much on way too much certainty and lack of variety or, or lack of growth and therefore they don't understand why they end up not having the life that they want because they're so focused on one particular area they just need certainty 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 they have lack of variety uh, they have lack of growth lack of contribution maybe a little bit of love and connection but they just don't get all their needs met in the, in the way that they should do no you're 100 percent right chris like you nailed it certainty is usually at the top uh, one of our most important needs and it, it does go back to our old sort of brain, which is a couple million years old. You know, we just wanted to survive. It wanted a safe place to sleep and something to eat and to be able to, you know, have that connection to have children and keep going, right? But here we are in modern times, you know, a lot of people say, I, um, I can't wait for my mortgage to be paid off. You know, and that's a great thing to do. And that's a worthy goal. And it's a fantastic goal. And there's a great sense of accomplishment and, and pride that comes with, you know, going, hey, we've made our last mortgage payment. This is ours. Um, but people will often take 25 years to do that, 30 years to do that, 35 years to do that, to get to that finish line. But, the, you know, I, I learned for myself, you know, and of course, it just depends on people's tolerance for risk. But I went, well, hang on a second, you know, what if we could take that 200,000 in equity that's there, that 150, and we could leverage that and start creating other things that would, you know, getting another property for a buy to let or getting a property that we could get it, uh, turn that cash flow over, pay a little bit of capital gains, but now we got an extra 20 to put on the mortgage. And, you know, uh, so it, it just really depends on, you know, when you think about certainty, you know, is certainty something that's the certainty of I can do more? Or is it a certainty of I better sit, stay still and bank on a good thing? Because like for many people, like a mortgage payment might be 500 pounds. So if you have 500 extra pounds at the end of the day, I mean, that's great. But is, you know, is that going to get you the life you want? Good stuff, Brian. Good stuff. Um, we're down to the last couple of questions. 
uh, you'll be pleased to know. Um, can you tell me something you've failed at? And if, if you have, which I would imagine you have, because we've all failed at something, what did you learn from, from that? Yeah, probably the biggest thing that I labeled as a failure initially, and I think it's really important to share this, was I mentioned my brother, my wife Janice, and I, um, we took a company from zero to over 6 million, well, 6.23 million was the tax return for the company wow. uh, less than two years later. You know, it was a, it was a great success, um, but it was a company that grew so fast. There were difficult decisions that were being made that, <clears throat> quite frankly, you know, we weren't in, we, Janice and I were not in the position to make the final decision, even though we were, you know, involved in the business, we didn't have the final say, but in defense of, you know, my brother and, and all of us, you know, they were big decisions that were incredibly difficult to make and you were hiring people you didn't even really know. And we were going from uh, the three of us in a little box room, renting it out in uh, just an office in a, uh, that for, for a company that had an office and to having, you know, uh, a payroll of $120,000 a month. So, you know, this thing was growing so fast that, you know, we just didn't have the skill at that time to really negotiate all the things that were happening so fast, if you can imagine that kind of a growth spurt. And, um, you know, you can, you can liken it to the rock stars, you know, they were working hard, driving their vans, and the next thing they're playing big stadiums, but then, you know, uh, all hell breaks loose. And that's kind of what happened. Yeah. We went from a little Cessna plane to a 747 in rough weather. And you don't know what dial to turn or whatever. And so that company eventually uh, in 2013 closed its doors. And, um, you know, I came away feeling like a failure um, because, you know, I thought, why couldn't we figure it out together to get through this? And you know, we, there was so much blame and things like that going on. I didn't have the coaching skills to, to the level that I have them now. I didn't have my sales and management skills uh, where they're at now. And so, yeah, that was a big failure for me. But what I learned is that I'm actually proud of it because I don't know how many people uh, can say they've gone out and actually accomplished that kind of a feat because that took skill and it took uh, abilities that I didn't even realize that I had at the time to be able to influence people and get them to say yes to us in, in an environment where, you know, you had to be part of the old boys club to get in 15, 20 years in business. Yeah. And we were able to crack that code and get in there and have a lot of influence and suddenly have um, a provider throwing us a lion's share of the work. So I'm really proud of that, but it, but for the longest time, I thought it was a failure and I was ashamed of it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like, and I'm sure a lot of businesses are the same, when they start to grow so quickly and you've always staff to deal with and overheads to deal with, you feel as if you've kind of lost control of it a little bit. It's like, as you say, driving a, going from a small plane, a two-seater plane to driving a, a jumbo jet. Yeah. It's like riding a horse that that's flat out with no no reins on it and you're trying to control the thing you've like lack of control but i mean for me i would say and i'm sure a lot of other people would say that the biggest learning curve is not actually running the business it's when the business fails you know you learn more from that than you do well that's it that, and that's what i learned i learned that big isn't always better i thought you know big 
you know, that was going to be, that was going to be great. Um, now that's also to say that big can be great, but you got to scale. Yeah. Um, or you got to have really good people that you can trust around you who can help manage that. And I think that that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned that I, that I hope anyone listening to this gets is that, um, you know, if you, if you want to grow, you got to be, you got to be comfortable with getting uncomfortable and you got to be okay with delegating. You know, you got to surround yourself with good people. Don't try and do it all yourself because um, it's going to get painful and it'll stay that way. You got to get good people who can help you grow. Good advice there, Brian. Good advice. Um, is there anything you're curious about right now, this minute? What's for lunch? <laughs> that'll, do. that'll do. What's for lunch? Good, good, good answer. Um, talking about lunch. So here's a, a sort of a question that I chuck in. Um, you, you know, we talk about growing and, and, and having a little bit more money. And one of the things that people do when they go to a restaurant is they always look at the left-hand side of the menu where most of the cheap things are. They never, you know, most people don't get beyond the bottom of the left-hand side of the page, never mind over to the right-hand side, because they know the stuff over there is going to be a bit more. The price is going up as it goes down the page and over onto the next page. Um, uh, so after all that waffle, what's your favorite dish on, on, a, on a menu in a restaurant? And are you influenced by the price of it? Or uh, have you got a go-to dish that you go to regardless of the price? Um, well, I think, you know, in terms of price, it really depends on, you know, what mood are you in? Are you in for pub, are you in the mood for some pub grub or are you in the mood for some fine dining? Uh, in either case, um, I, I have this, this, uh, this sort of, uh, I guess, thought around it that I actually took on from my sister, which she said is, if you can't afford to eat out, then don't go out and eat. <laughs> you know, stay at home and eat. And so she, like she said, if you can't afford it, then don't go out and pay for it. And so, yeah, when I go out to eat, I don't really concern myself with the price. I, I want to make sure that I'm going to have a good experience. Yeah. So if it's pub grub, then that's my expectation. I just want to go out and have a couple of pints and a meal and a good chat. If I want to go out with, uh, you know, like our friends, like, you know, Chris, we, we all go out sometimes and yeah. you know, we really push the boat out. And we, we uh, you know, we, we live large for a couple of days and it's fantastic and I love it. So my favorite meal, um, if I had to say, would probably be, because that's, that's a tough one, but I'm going to say, uh, I would say it's probably, uh, I'm just trying to think here. What? Uh, I don't want to take up too much time, but I would like to think probably the food that we had at McNean House in Black Lion. Yeah. So it's not in necessarily one dish. It was yeah. just an amazing array of flavors and yeah. foods, and it was just outstanding. Yeah, no, um, here, here, I couldn't agree more. Um, and, and lastly, Brian, um, is there anything that I should have asked you, but I didn't ask you? No, uh, other than to, Brian, could you keep it short? <laughs> Well, we're just coming up on an hour, and um, I, I I couldn't have timed that better, to be honest. Because I I think the one thing, just quickly, is is um, you know uh, 
just to, I would say that that's necessarily one question, but one takeaway is to, you know, while we're in this lockdown, we're coming out of it, it's a great time now for everyone to reflect on where they've come from, where they're at, and who they want to become uh, on the other side of this. Like, who do you want, how do you want to live your life? What do you want your life to be like? You don't have to settle. Settling is an option. You know, suffering is optional. Pain is inevitable. We have the choice to decide what we want in our lives. We don't have to live our lives based on somebody else's model of how the world needs to be and how our world needs to be. You just have to be okay with the fact that as you change and you start to up your standards, right? It's gonna, you're gonna see, doesn't mean you have to give up your friends. It just means some of those relationships are gonna change a little bit and you have to just be okay with that. You don't need to apologize for living your best life. You need to apologize for uh, standing at your grave and seeing the potential of who you could have been looking back at you. Yeah, you don't want you don't want your gravestone to say that you died with your potential fully intact. <laughs> yeah, that's a great great way to put it. Yeah. Um, so Brian, just finally, how can people get in touch with you? Um, well, uh, probably the best way is to just uh, send an email to info at oneresult.com. So that's O-N-E hyphen R-E-S-U-L-T dot com. So info at one hyphen result dot com. Yeah. And if anyone's not sure what hyphen is, dash. Dash, yeah. Uh, and then, well, I'll, I'll put for people listening to the podcast, obviously, you'll have to play this back. But uh, on YouTube, I'll have this coming up across the bottom of the screen. And your website is oneresult.com. Yep, oneresult.com again with the hyphen. Um, yeah, and so if you need help with your business, if you need some help uh, just getting your head out of the weeds and getting some clarity and what the way is forward for you, like definitely get in touch. Um, you know, it's a no charge consultation. It's just good time spent talking about you and what you want. Brian, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I appreciate it. Um, and as I say, you've helped me and Mary a serious amount along the way, both in business and in uh, personal development. So again, thank you very much. And thanks for agreeing to appear on my podcast. My pleasure. And, and thanks to you and hats off to you and Mary, because, you know, you can only get the results when the person shows up and wants to participate and you guys have played flat out you guys have leaned in all the way you know you guys have been all in and so it wouldn't have been possible without you two both wanting it for yourselves so thank you and thanks for having me on the podcast it's fantastic and i wish you guys continued success with property success university and Belfast property thanks brian thank you